Good morning. My name is Pastor Tom Glasso, and I'm grateful that I can come once again to you over the wires. This morning, I want to thank uh, the members of Grace Lutheran Church down in Sunbury for their contributions in today's worship service. Um, also, I want to remind you that starting today, both Fulmer and St. John Lutheran Churches, the churches of our parish, they are beginning um, their outdoor worship services in their respective uh, beautiful grove areas. Uh, for Fulmer, this will allow not only for outdoor worship and being closer to, to one another, but it also, we will also keep the option of sitting in your car and listening to it over the radio with, um, with our radio transmitters, if, those, if that's what you need at this time. Fulmer service will start at 9 a.m. and the, uh, at St. John's we will worship around the pavilion area and that service will start at 10.30. So I hope to see you at both of them or either one of them or online. You can do all three. Uh, today we are beginning a sermon series on, on hope. In this time of uncertainty and confusion over the coronavirus, and then, of course, coupled with racial tensions and political divisions that we see around our, our, our country, um, it may seem like our country might be falling apart, and maybe even our co livelihoods are comp uh, compromised. And, of course, our nervousness and stress are rising as a result of that. And so this is a time where we need to look to God and how we can continue to keep our hope and our, um, our faith in, in this uncertain time. And I hope that um, through this uh, journey on hope, we will be able to get a new sense of God's presence in our lives. So we'll be doing this all the way through August. We'll be focusing on the letter, on Peter's first letter to his uh, people in modern-day Turkey now. I also want to wish Natalie Bond, our Bishop Collins, Jesse White, Abigail Bosch, and Wanda Shrek on, oh, I, I hope that they have wonderful birthdays, and I hope it's filled with blessings and cakes. And then I'd like to congratulate Karen and Brad Mertz, Pat and Randy Kitchen, as they celebrate their wedding anniversaries this week. I hope it's a wonderful celebration and it's as exciting and new and fun as it was on their wedding day. So with that said, let us now worship um, our Lord with our hearts and minds.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. God of compassion, you have opened the way for us and brought us to yourself. Pour your love into our hearts, that overflowing with joy, we may freely share the blessings of your realm and faithfully proclaim the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Today's first uh, today's reading is from Peter's letter to the people in Asia Minor. Peter, an, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are conceiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings 
destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in regard to the things that have now been announced to you, to those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having a good week. Um, I hope you got a chance to take Flat Jesus with you somewhere this week. Um, and to maybe post your picture under the Fulmer Everywhere hashtag, right? With your Flat Jesus. Anyway, today uh, our gospel reading is from a letter that Peter wrote. And um, it starts out, he says it's to the exiles. And I wanted to explain what an exile is for anybody who doesn't know. An exile is somebody who's been sent away. So Peter was writing to exiles who had been sent away from their home country. But uh, maybe you have been exiled to your bedroom before sometime or felt like you were exiled somewhere else when you didn't get to be where you wanted to be or you had to leave somewhere. Sometimes we feel lonely like we've been sent away. Uh, but of course, part of what Peter is reminding everybody in exile is that God is with us everywhere we go. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about another part of the Fulmer Everywhere that we're doing this summer. And that's part of it, thinking about where you saw God. Because we know that God is with us everywhere, even when we're lonely or scared, or even when we're, you know, super excited about something that doesn't have anything to do with church. God is there. And I want I, my challenge to you this week is to look around and pay attention and see where you see God. And uh, if you see something you can snap a picture of, then go ahead and post it and share it with us. Um, or just remember it and think about it next week because we'll talk some more about it next week. So, thank you so much. Hi. <laughs> and Kit says hello. Hi. <laughs> I believe I can safely say that this summer will is unlike any summer we've experienced in our lives. If this spring is any indication, our summers will not be only a hot one, but a very trying one. There are so many things for us to be concerned about and so many reasons to be worried about. Of course, the virus has gotten to be an issue that we have to contend with, along with all the social distancing measures and mask requirements that continue to dictate our lives. We grieve over 110 thousand people dead in our nation and over 400,000 people killed around the world. The virus has now gotten in us into a recession after over 120 months of economic growth that started back in 2009. We now have high unemployment and many big and small businesses are closing their doors. Of course, this has thrown untold lives into disarray and complete harried lifestyles. For that, we should be very concerned, and we pray for those people directly affected by this recession. And then compounding that virus concerns, we now have very heated racial tensions across our nation that is almost certain to continue to roil our society in days and weeks and even months to come. 
We have a lot to be nervous about with the climate change and the continuing warming of our Earth. We see evidence all across the globe from melting ice sheets in Greenland to unprecedented fires in Australia to swarms of locusts in Africa. And local meteorologists here in central PA are anticipating an above normal temperature summer. And then I hear that we're going to have an above normal hurricane season in the Atlantic Basin. So there's that to also deal with. And then, of course, we have old issues that continue to dog us, like immigration, wealth disparities, and access to health care and good education. And then above, if that wasn't enough, we now have a presidential election that will inevitably get hotter and more caustic as we get closer to November. So, and regardless of who you hope to win, you are probably, like a lot of other Americans, nervous about our nation's future. So with this litany of concerns, it is amazing that we bother to get out of bed at all. These issues are no mere small concerns, but these but it has great effects on ours and our neighbors' well-being. If left unresolved, our ability to connect with our neighbors, our co-workers, parishioners, families will be very much compromised, which in turn affect our mental stability and eventually the cohesiveness of our society. Many of us Christians and many of us who are trying to live as close as we can to the teachings of Christ wonder if it's even visible anymore, those teachings, if it's even is recognizing, recognizable anymore. All the worries of the world seems to be so overwhelming that, you know, maybe any realistic hope of hanging on to something that Christ promised that millennia ago almost seems trivial and unrealistic. If you're feeling that, well, you're not alone. Throughout all of human history, People of God have been in position like this many times. In fact, most of these moments in histories have been much worse than what we are dealing with. However, this does not mean that what we, are, what we are dealing with and what we're struggling with right now isn't real and isn't scary. But we can take comfort that in our reading today, we read the words of St. Peter's first letter to the Christians in Asia Minor, or modern-day Turkey. These Christians were living in the start of what church historians consider the beginning of, the two, of two centuries-long Christian persecutions. And in this particular text, Peter is writing to the Christians who are undergoing serious persecutions by the decrees of Emperor Domitian. Emperor Domitian is known as the first true authoritarian emperor in Roman Empire history. Even famous emperors like Julius Caesar or Caesar Augustus worked closely with the Roman Senate to achieve their goals, but Domitian, he sidelined the Senate and used the military to his own end. He used religions, uh, though pagan, to foster a cult of personality, and he dictated what morals were and how one should behave. He was constantly at war. He attacked Britain and Central Europe. He waged war against the German states and fought people as far from Italy as Central Asia. This, of course, took a lot of money and men, and he knew that in order to keep peace at home, he had to find a scapegoat. And for him, the scapegoat came in the form of a small religious sect that believed in a resurrected Savior. Thus, 
Domitian began the persecution that would last for over 250 years. Back then, persecution ranged from constant bullying and haranguing by your neighbors and people of your city or town, but oftentimes it was also, in, it included ostracization from your community, your jobs, and some even your families. Executions of Christians did not start with Domitian, but that is where the persecutions of the early Christians would eventually lead to within a generation of Domitian. Thus, when Peter wrote this text, he was in Rome as the Bishop of Rome. He himself was a victim of Domitian persecutions, and so he wrote from his own experience and empathy. This first letter of Peter is one of the great works of the New Testament, as it reads like a father to a child or a wise mentor to an aspiring youth struggling to make sense of the world. Peter, after introducing himself, acknowledges that he is writing to their current situation. In, his, in the first 12 verses that we read today, Peter acknowledges their suffering and, in turns their suffer, and he turns their suffering upside down. You ask, how does he do that? Well, let's start with the idea of blessing. At the end of verse 2, Peter blesses the readers, presumably the Christians of Asia Minor, with grace and peace. And then he begins the main part of the letter by blessing the Lord. So you see, in the Old Testament, the Lord blessed his people constantly. And to name a few, he blessed Abraham, Naboth, Jabez, David, Solomon, Jacob, and, Saul, and, um, and to name a few others. Whenever God blesses his people in the Old Testament, the sign of blessings usually came in the form of some sort of tangible wealth, whether that is in the form of material good, property, or descendants. God blessed, blessed Abraham by saying he would have descendants that would outnumber the stars in the sky. God blessed Jabez with untold wealth in land, and Jacob was blessed as the father of a great nation. However, in the New Testament, Jesus introduced us to a new understanding of blessing. In Matthew chapter 5, Christ begins his Sermon on the Mount with a series of blessings to people that would not have received blessings in the Old Testament. People like the meek, the peacemakers, the pure in heart, the mourners, the poor in spirit, the merciful, and the persecuted. In the New Testament, blessing is still about material gain, but it is a different kind of material gain. It is not a mere momentary decree from the lips of God, but an evolving event that takes time for the full measure of that blessing to be realized. In the Beatitudes of Matthew, Christ blesses those who are normally in some form of suffering. And eventually, their full blessing is made known when they meet Christ. Thus, we see proof of that in today's reading from Peter's first letter. The writer evokes images of sufferings like fire, death, and trials. And immediately, Peter reminds the readers that they are not suffering alone. And then in verse 3 of today's reading, Peter speaks of living hope. And I find this absolutely wonderful, that Peter should connect the word living with hope. In the entirety of the Bible, the word living is always associated with breath or spirit and water. In the beginning of the Bible, it was the spirit or breath of God that moved over the face of the deep and began the creation story. It was God's breath or spirit 
that was breathed into Adam and Eve to give them life. It was the pillar of fire, the symbol of God's Spirit, that protected the Hebrews as they escaped from the Egyptians. It was the Spirit of God that smote the worshippers of Baal in 1 Kings. It was the Spirit of God that descended onto the disciples and followers of Christ at Pentecost. Then we encounter often the images of God's work through water. But pay attention to whenever water is involved in event in the Bible. While the breath of God seems to be moving, the moving agent, getting action into motion or started, water is the transformational agent that changes those who engages it. The earth went from an endless void to a living paradise as God moved over the waters at creation. The flood changed the course of the lives of Noah and his family and how God related or relate to his people. Instead of being brought up in the home of his Hebrew mother, Moses was rescued from the Nile River and was raised as a prince. Moses and the Hebrew people were transformed from being slaves into a mighty nation when they walked through the parted waters of the Red Sea. Hagar and Ishmael became founders of their nation at a well in Arabia. Jacob met his wife, Rachel, as they both drew water from a well. Jesus began his ministry when he was baptized with water, and the Samaritan's woman's life changed when Jesus promised her living water. The images of breath and water are transformative and ever-evolving. They can't be described as being a permanent thing. It is always changing shape. Like life, it is always evolving. Thus, whenever we speak of living in the Bible, we often see it in the image of breath or water. Dr. Barth Ehrman, a biblical scholar who has written numerous books on Christ and his ministry, wrote of this particular question. According to Dr. Ehrman, when we study the New Testament closely, we will recognize that Christ speak of our relationship with God like water as an ever-evolving, always-molding, and never-static living relationship. Thus, Christ referred to that relationship as living water in John's Gospel. This image of living water becomes part of our baptismal understanding through the writings of Paul. For Paul, the baptismal water is a relational image of God, who is in close and intimate relationship with us. For Peter, the concept of living is a dynamic evolution of life. Thus, the idea that life is liminal, always transitioning from one state to another. So Peter, understanding this, he understood that anything living is always in a state of evolution with God working to assist us in our lives to overcome what adversity we might encounter. For Peter, God is the living hope, always taking the shape of our lives as he walks with us. And so when we are in our times of trial and tribulation, our hope in God gives us the understanding that this is not permanent, our state of suffering is not permanent, but that our lives are evolving. And the blessing that comes through it is that we know that God walks with us and is always working to to mold us like Malachi's potter. The German theologian Dorothea Soll spoke of the same idea when she tried to describe that Christ was also in the gas chambers with the Jews during the Holocaust. That though evil will continue to exist, 
God, God in Christ will not abandon us, but walks us, walks with us through the darkest valleys of our lives. It is in this understanding that we cling closely to our Lord. It is this promise that we continue to wake up each morning and greet the new dawn. And it is this promise that we enter into trials, fires, and persecutions of our lives. We live with the living hope that God through Christ, through the baptismal water and living waters, that we continue to evolve with Christ, being molded by God as he continues to breathe new life into us so that we can transition, we can take the lessons of our sufferings and be made all the more sanctified, all the more holy, and all the more perfect for those who walk with us as they too go through their trials. And because of that, we receive a new understanding of blessing. We see in this blessing that God walks with us always. And so we have hope, not just for merely having hope sick, but we have hope because we know in the promise of Christ that God walks with us through the Holy Spirit and that he claims us through the baptismal water and that the cross that was emblazoned upon us at baptism is the outward and external sign that God is beside us as was promised in the Pentecost story. So because of that, we have hope and because of that, we live with abundant grace and tremendous confidence that God is with us, and now and into the future. Amen. Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. 
He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Called into unity with one another and the whole creation, let us pray for our shared world. Holy One, you bring us together and call us your own. Bless theologians, teachers, and preachers who help us grow in faith. Guide your church that we might be a holy people. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. Holy One, the whole earth is yours. Where there is fire, bring cool air and new growth. Where there is flooding, bring abatement. Where there is drought, bring rain. Inspire us to care for what you have provided. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. Holy One, we have created divisions you will not own. In places of conflict, raise up leaders who work to develop lasting peace and reconciliation. Encourage organizations and individuals who care for all forced to leave their homes. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. Holy One, you care for those who are harassed and helpless. Protect and defend those who are abused. Heal those who are sick. Feed all who hunger. Empower all whose voices go unheard. And help us respond to the pressing needs of our neighbors. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Holy One, you provide a plentiful harvest of gifts and resources. Prepare us to labor and gather the fruits of this congregation that we might discover new ways of living. Minister to us in our work that we do not lose heart. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. Holy One, you bring all people to yourself. We give thanks for the holy people who have gone before us, especially those that we name in our hearts. Sustain us in your mission until the day you bear us up to join the saints in light. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Receive these prayers, O God, and those too deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now we come to the time in our worship service where we share the peace with one another. In this time of great unrest, and angst in our American culture, I, I, I want to share with you that the word for peace comes from um, the Hebrew word shalom. And in, in the meaning of peace, we don't just mean to wish someone to be in a state of rest or ease or carefree nature. There is a health component. The Hebrew word for wholeness, shlemut, is a close cousin of shalom. And based on the word shlemut, it is also used as a blessing to someone. Thus, when we share God's peace, we should also remember that we are also sharing our wishing wholeness along with that peace. Because we know that people without um, wholeness cannot have peace. And so, in the Hebrew understanding of peace, we don't just merely pass Hebrew. We don't merely pass peace in Hebrew, but that we pass God's peace. And when we pass God's peace, we mean an all-encompassing peace that includes wholeness. And so with that, I want to share with you, the peace of the Lord be with you always, and also with you. Let us pray. 
God of goodness and growth, all creation is yours, and your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. Water and word, wine and bread, these are signs of your abundant grace. Nourish us through these gifts that we might proclaim your steadfast love in our communities and in the world. Through Jesus Christ, our strength and our song. Amen. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar, for the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet, in the sweet by and by, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. By and by, in the sweet, in the sweet by and by, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall sing on that beautiful shore. The melodious songs of the blessed, and our spirit shall sorrow no more. Not a sigh for the blessing of rest. In the sweet, in the sweet by and by, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. By and by, in the sweet. In the sweet by and by, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. To our bountiful Father above, we will offer our tribute of praise for the glorious gift of His love and the blessings that hallow our days in the sweet in the sweet by and by by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore by and by in the sweet in the sweet by and by by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore